I think we all know what a picture frame looks like. If we don't, then I'm sorry. You have to go to the store. <laughs> but picture frames are sold with a valueless picture displayed in that frame uh, before you actually put anything in it. The frame is this, the picture is just there to take up space within the frame. And the picture means nothing, basically. But it probably only means something to the people that's actually in the picture, really, the, the models. Uh, it's not worth any value to us. And the person will purchase the picture frame, take it home, take out the, va the valueless picture to us, put in a picture that is valuable to us, somebody who means something to us, like a friend or a relative, uh, maybe even a pet, or sometimes even a moment in time that means a lot to us. Because the picture is placed inside the new frame now and has given the frame a lot more value and a lot more meaning. Why is that? It's because now the image is of real life and has meaning and it is now in the frame. And all of a sudden the picture frame has a greater value because the image gives it a greater worth. It represents something or someone or a memory or a moment that has a lot of meaning to us. And the same goes today with our story from John chapter 16. Chapters 13 to 16 tells us about Jesus's final words to his disciples at the Last Supper. And he told them how he's soon going to lead them, leave them to die on the cross. And just like this picture frame, empty and meaningless, that's all the disciples could see. They couldn't see how Jesus was going to make this situation beautiful, meaningful, and full of hope. You see, Jesus was going to die on the cross to atone for our sins, which means Jesus rescued us from everything that gets in the way of us being genuine human beings, the way that God has created us to be, to restore creation back to its original purpose and design. And so that also means allowing us to have a personal, personal relationship with God again. We have sinned and the wages of sin is death. But God loved us so much that he sent his only son. We just sang about that. Jesus, to live on this earth and to teach us what it means to live like him, which is to love God and to love others. And many of the leaders at that time thought that Jesus was a heretic because he was saying that he was God's son and that he was spreading lies and that he was going against God himself. So they killed him. They thought that they were praising God through the death of Jesus and they nailed him to a cross. But that was God's plan all along. Jesus willingly did this so we would not have to go through a similar fate, but so we can have a new and full and eternal life with him. So how does this happen exactly? The death of Jesus accomplished three things. First, to symbolize our old lives going to the grave. We do not have to live that way any longer. Jesus died and went to the grave, and so that symbolizes our lives going there also. And then three days later, Jesus came back to life, showing that he conquered death. 
and he is still alive today, church. And this symbolized our new life with him. That when we put our trust in him and live for him, then we can have lives that are full of hope and love and joy and peace and eternal life. Now, Jesus said that won't always be flowers and rainbows. <laughs> I'm sure we've heard lots of people saying the Christian life is, is so easy, or they say that, but they haven't actually experienced it that much. It is not all flowers and rainbows. It is not easy. He said that people will be against us against, and against the disciples just like they were against him. But if we walk with Jesus, then he will give us what we need and the strength to get through it all. So he will give us the love and the joy and the peace and the comfort and the wisdom and the guidance, everything that we need if we allow him to give it to us. But if we walk with Jesus, then he will give us all that we need. And Jesus' death and resurrection brought more for us than just new eternal lives with him. It also brought an end to the reign of sin and sin's power over the world. We do not have to sin any longer. Did you guys know that? We don't have to sin. And that's called, we do not have to sin any longer when we trust in Jesus. And that is called entire sanctification. And this is when we become just like Jesus in so many different aspects of our lives through the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. It is not us. And even though we may be tempted to sin, the temptations are still going to come and, the, and our lives are still going to be hard. Through the Holy Spirit, we know that following the life and the teachings of Jesus is much more rewarding and life-giving than following through with that temptation. So we strive to be like Jesus in all we do. And to go off of this, the last thing that Jesus' death and resurrection accomplished was the giving of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity. So there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're three in one. Don't ask me to explain it because that's a question for Aaron. <laughs> You see, the Spirit's work in the world will be a reminder of Jesus' previous actions. So the Holy Spirit is here to help remind us of who Jesus is and what he accomplished. He will work through believers to accomplish God's purposes, and he will reveal his power over the powers of darkness and his power to convince people to believe in Jesus. Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit to to his disciples, when Jesus departed. Jesus said that the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit would actually be better for them than the physical bodily presence of Jesus. To have the Holy Spirit is better to have than if Jesus was here with us right here today. That's something to think about. It was better because Jesus could be with every single one of us all the time. If Jesus was here with us right now, that would be awesome. But then when we leave, he wouldn't be with us anymore. But with the Holy Spirit, he is with us all of the time. But at this point in the story, the disciples did not understand why Jesus was saying that he had to leave them. I mean, he was the, Jesus is the Messiah, and he wasn't supposed to leave them. He was supposed to stay and rule is what they thought. And Jesus knew that they would grieve for many different reasons. They would grieve at the perceived loss of a relationship with Jesus. 
at the humiliation of their master and Messiah, at the seeming victory of his enemies, and because what all they had hoped for seemed to have been taken away. They would grieve for all these things because they did not understand the wonderful gifts that they were about to receive from this grief. The subject I want to talk to you about today is to move forward with hope through grief. And let's start off by exploring what grief is. I'm sure most of us have experienced grief in one way or another, but the definition of it is the sadness and pain we feel when we have lost someone or something, someone or something we care about. It is normal for us to grieve. Grief is the conflicting feelings caused by a change or an end in a familiar pattern or behavior. So why do we grieve? We come the questions, why do we grieve? And can grief even be good for us? Some people might be even thinking about that. They're like, this cannot be good for me. If you do grief a certain way, it can be healthy for you. But like anything healthy, too much of it or done in a certain way can also be unhealthy for you. I believe that grief, when done right, is a gift from God. It helps us to get through our pain, to process what has happened, to get our emotions out, and not to have them all bottled up. It is not good to bottle up your emotions when you're upset, or even anything, really. Like It's not always good to bottle them up. And it helps us show that we care for who or what we lost. My mom says to me a lot of time, if I didn't care so much, then I wouldn't love you. <laughs> so, <laughs> or if I didn't love you so much, I wouldn't care. I guess is how it goes, yes. Um, so like that's just a way that I think about this. Like If I didn't love you so much, I wouldn't care. My mom and my dad care about me more than I'll ever know ever. And so that's just a way that I kind of think about it. Like, even though we've lost something, we loved it so much that we feel this way. If we didn't feel this way about it, then we wouldn't be grieving. And so it's important for us to grieve, and it's a good thing to grieve. I love this quote, and it makes so much sense. Sad, without sadness, joy cannot exist. Without sadness, joy cannot exist. Feeling bad has a purpose. If you believe in the magnificent design of humans, then you must accept the fact that in order to have the capacity to feel happiness or joy, you must also be able to experience sadness or pain. Any attempt to bypass sad, painful, or negative emotions can and will have disastrous consequences. In order to have the capacity to feel happiness or joy, you must also be able to experience sadness or pain. In order for God to create joy, sadness needs to be created as well. We cannot feel joyful about an event if we have not already felt sadness, and vice versa. We cannot feel excitement without first feeling disappointment. We cannot feel what caring feels like if we first, without first feeling what it means to not care about someone or something. In order for us to have joy about the persons or the things that we have we, and those we have lost, we first need to know what it means to be sad. Sadness is just as much of a gift to us as joy is. 
And so what causes grief? See, we experience grief when we lose a friend, when we can incur loss, when we consider ourselves injured, and by sympathy, we feel grief at the misfortune of others. You see, grief does not always only have to be death, even though that is a common and important way that we feel grief. We can feel grief when we, moved away, when we move away from a home that we loved. When I moved away from Newfoundland and came up here, I felt a lot of grief because I was not home anymore, but now this is my home too. We can feel grief when we stop being in contact with someone important to us. When we lose something important to us, a very special possession. When we do not get to do that thing that we were very excited about, just like we did in COVID. I'm sure we all had plans, and then they all just got cut off. I'm sure we all felt grief about what we couldn't do. I was supposed to graduate at Kingswood University just two months after uh, COVID started, and I didn't get to. And I still feel grief over that. Like We all had to work through that. It was so hard. Death, change, discomfort, uncertainty, they all bring grief into our lives. Someone once told me that grief can feel like an amputation, like you can't get that loved person or object back. And this happened to the disciples. They began to have grief because Jesus was telling them that he was going away. And then that grief intensified when Jesus was actually taken from them, beaten and humiliated and tortured and nailed to a cross and died. They felt grief. Their master, their teacher, their friend, their Lord was dead. And they were left to grieve, unsure of what to do next. I'm sure we've all felt like that. But Jesus offered hope for them at the Last Supper. And these were his last words to him. We're going to look at three points today on how Jesus helps us during our time of grief. First point is this. In grief, Jesus turns sorrow to joy. Let's look at John 16, starting at verse 16. Jesus went on to say, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while you will see me no more, and after a little while you will see me, and because I'm going to the Father? And they kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, then after a little while you will see me? Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the rest of the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. The disciples were distressed and confused and started to feel sorrowful because their Messiah was going to leave them. I mean, that was a big deal. The Jews had been waiting for the Messiah to come for many generations, hundreds of maybe that, well, thousands of years. And he said he was going to leave them? Like, that's crazy. The disciples didn't understand that the arrest of Jesus was only a few hours away from when Jesus said these words and that he would be dead before the next night. It's crazy to think about. And Jesus knew that they were going to grieve. And there wasn't much room for joy in their hearts at this point. 
I mean, how can we have joy when the person or thing that we love so much is leaving? We won't see it anymore. We won't have them or it anymore. When such a big change comes into our lives, that thing that was a constant for us for so long is now absent. But Jesus offered hope and joy to come during this difficult time. Jesus knew that he was going to die, but he also knew that he would come once again to live for all eternity. And that life will be offered to everyone who believes in and lives for him. All the disciples could see was grief. That's all they could see. And it can be hard for us to see any light when we're in the middle of grief. I've been there, and I'm sure a lot of you have been there. When we're going through grief, we need to have faith in Jesus. And this brings our sorrow to joy. Faith, like I said before, that he will help us through it. And he's going to guide us. And even though we're going to feel pain, and it's not always going to be flowers and rainbows, he is going to help us through it. And he's not going to leave us, and he's going to guide us through it. And that can be so hard to wrap our minds around when we're in the midst of it. And so that's why it's important for us to wrap our minds around it before we get into that situation. But if you're not able to do it beforehand... While you're in the middle of that situation, it's important for us to say, okay, God, right now I feel so alone, or I don't know what's going to happen, or God, I don't want this to happen, but I feel like this is where you're guiding me, and I don't know what's happening right now, but God, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to allow you to take the course that you want to take. Not all of you know this story, but when I came to uh, New Hope the first time, to work here. I did not want to be here. Aaron was a a big support in that, and he seen me yell and scream and cry, because it was summer 2019, and I said, nope, I'm not taking that job. I'm going home to Newfoundland, and I don't care if I got to work at McDonald's all summer. At least I'll be home, and I'll be with my friends, and I'll be where I'm safe and comfortable. And I struggled so much. Like, it was not good. And uh, the Sunday that I had to tell Pastor Tree whether or not I was going to stay or not, um, Aaron and I and our family went to New Hope Kentville. And Pastor Scott preached. And when I walked into the service, I didn't know if I was staying. When I walked out, I looked at my mother-in-law and I said, Sherry, you got me for the whole summer. And God really just, he just drilled it into me. He's like, Megan, like, I want you to be here. I want you to use your gifts and talents to help people. And it's just crazy to think that now I'm up on this stage, like two years later, like God helped me to grow during that summer. And then he brought me back again the following summer. And then I became, went on the pastoral staff team and now I'm here getting to know all you guys. Like, it's just crazy. Like, if I had a stayed in that time of being, nope, I'm not listening to God. I'm not going to allow him to work through me. I just want to stay comfortable where I am. I know this is where he wants me to be, but like, nope, I'm not doing it. Then I'd probably be working at McDonald's back home in Newfoundland in my parents' house, which is not a bad thing. But like, I, I wouldn't have grown where I am right now. And it's just an amazing thing to think about how God 
use that extremely difficult time and decision to grow me and Aaron and our family the way that he has. My second point today is this. In grief, Jesus turns heartache to comfort. Let's look at verses, verse 21 to 22. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but, you will see, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. I'm sure that the distress some of you had when going through birthing your own children uh, dissolved away the moment that you held them. Being held by Jesus will dissolve our distress and give us joy. Move forward in grief. Where is your joy found today? Is it in yourself? Is it in the person or thing that you lost? Is it in other people? Is it in just different things? Or is it in Jesus himself? Where is your joy found? Because your joy needs to come from a constant that will never, ever leave us. And that is only Jesus. In May of 2008, Stephen Curtis Chapman and his wife, Mary Beth, lost their five-year-old daughter in an automobile accident. They were overwhelmed by messages of kindness during their grief, but one message in particular stood out to them and gave Stephen strength. It was from a pastor friend who'd lost his own son in a car accident. He said, remember, your future with your daughter will be greater than your past with her. In other words, move forward. Grief would love nothing more than to bury us. It wants to bury us. With the help of Jesus, why not move forward through grief to joy? There is hope in grief. Psalm 61.2 says, From the ends of the earth I cry to you for help when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the towering rock of safety. One of the side effects of grief is that our heart aches. It hurts so much. And it aches for what was and what will never be again. It hurts. Does your heart ache for someone you will never hold again? Or for something that has been lost forever? Hope is here. Remember that, church. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all who, will, who labor and he, are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. His yoke is light. Jesus also said in Matthew 5, verse 4, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God, powerful promises for anyone whose heart is aching. In grief, take comfort in the promises of God that his yoke is light and he will give us rest and he will comfort us only if we let him know, church. Lastly, uh, when we see that grief, that in grief, Jesus will turn distress to confidence. Let's look at verse 23. In that day, you will no longer ask me for anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask for in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. 
The day Jesus rose from the dead and met with his disciples, there was hope and joy and comfort and confidence all around. Their Messiah had returned to them, and they were no longer grieving, but they were rejoicing over the conquering power of Jesus. And when they were given the Holy Spirit, when Jesus went back into heaven, he was with them all all of the time. And that brought them even more joy. And now he's with all of us who believe in and live for him. Jesus followed through with the Father's plan, which was the cross, because his own heart ached for humanity. And he himself grieved for how sin and evil can charm mankind. He was grieving for us. In fact, you could say that the cross is a visual representation of God's grief over sin. And he promised to save us from this sin. God's promises are longer than life, broader than sin, deeper than the grave, and higher than the clouds. That's C.H. Spurgeon. To sum up today, I want to remind us all that Jesus turns our sorrow into joy because he's already come back to us again. He turns our heartache into comfort because he will guide us and give us peace during our grief. Again, things are not going to be easy. And things even outside of our grief, like there's people out there who do not understand the love that we have for Jesus. And they want to push that away, say that's not the way that anyone should live. But we know the difference. It's, it's going to be hard for us to live for Jesus. But if we allow him to, he can give us peace and joy and hope and guidance through it all. And he turns our distress into confidence. Because we have a confident assurance of who he is and what he has done and who we are in him and that where we will go one day in eternity with him and the promises that he has made. Here is my suggestion for all of us today. I really want us all to take to heart and live this out. It is so important during the many stages of grief. It is okay to mourn what you have lost. It's okay to be sad, disappointed, and even angry. It's okay to feel many things at the same time, and it's okay if some of those things contradict themselves. It's okay if it takes you longer to heal than you thought it would. There's no time frame needed. It's okay if you're not grieving the way you've been told you should. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. Whatever we're grieving, do not think that you have to grieve a certain way. There's no certain way to grieve. As long as you're not hurting yourself or other people, it's okay. And you do not have to get over it after a certain period of time. For some of us, we may never get over it, but that pain will still always be there in some form or another. Grief comes in waves. I'm sure we all know that. I've walked into Michael's a few times and I walked to the bakery section. My nan, Alice, was a baker and she used a lot of those um, stuff for baking and for cake decorating and everything like that. And she's the one who died during COVID. 
And I remember one day just hit me like a wave. It was like, she should be here using these things now. But it's going to get easier to handle when, and when, sorry, and when grief does come knocking, this is what we should do. When my grief comes knocking, I open the door and pull up a chair. I sit with my grief when it needs company. I offer it hospitality, so don't push it away, church, like I said. Don't bottle it all up, but sit with it. Feel what you're feeling. And when I'm ready, I share my grief outside of myself in some way, with other people or by journaling, whatever you need. We need to welcome grief. I know you're actually a love in disguise, and I'd be a fool to turn you away. Welcome your grief. Allow yourself to feel and to cry and to be sad and to feel happiness over what you once had and what you have now. It's okay. And we need to remember that grief is a gift from God. And this grief can lead to happiness and joy in Him if we allow it. Let's pray together, church. God, it can be hard for us to say it sometimes, but I want to thank you for grief. Thank you for allowing us to be able to cry and to be able to feel sad and for the emotions that you've given us. God, I just ask that you would help us all to grieve in a healthy way, but in the way that we need to, dear God. And you know that way. You know whether or not if we need to journal, if we need to draw, if we need to talk to someone, if we need to write a, a, a grief letter to the person or thing that we've lost, whatever it is, dear God, there's so many different ways for us to grieve and how we can deal through that grief. And so I just thank you for all the options and for all the help that you've given us. And I thank you so much for the joy and the confidence and the assurance that we could have in you, dear God, when the disciples didn't have any of that at first. But God, thank you so much that when you came back again, you turned their sorrow and their, your, their grief and their despair and their confusion all into joy and happiness and wisdom and understanding. We thank you so much for that, dear God. And I ask that you please do the same for us, for whatever we're grieving. God, thank you that you do not leave us in our grief. And thank you that you're always with us and guiding us and helping us. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.